Welcome to Parenthood Pals. I'm Caleb Hoyer. And I'm Melissa Fight Johnson. And today I'm so happy to have with us an old chum of mine from <laughs> NYU, Samantha Martin. Hi, Yay! Sam. Oh, hi. Yeah, please call me Sam. Caleb, it's so good to see you. And I love the word chum because it does imply that you met at school, doesn't it? It does. I think it does. Yeah. Something yeah. about chum says, oh, there was something scholarly in the air when we <laughs> when we met. Even though I'm not sure I would describe NYU vocal performance as scholarly. As but... scholarly, yeah, that's that's a stretch, but um, <laughs> I think we can still I think we can still use chum. Yes. Um yes, Caleb and I, when did when did we meet? Probably two thousand six. Oh. Yeah. Well, that was your freshman year? That was my freshman year. Yeah. I just aged you. <laughs> okay, well, bleep it out. No, just kidding. You can keep it. I'm a proud 30, 32. I actually almost said 33. I have to ask my wife all the time how old I am anytime I fill anything out. I go, wait, how old am I? You're sure? Okay, got it. It all loses meaning after a certain point. It does. It just does. For oh. me, after like 31, after it got over the number of Baskin Robbins flavors, I, <laughs> it wasn't worth counting. <laughs> That's it. That's exactly it. <laughs> well, everyone, if you can't tell already, Sam is super funny. She's a TV writer. She writes for the show Henry Danger on Nickelodeon. And she was funny as long as I knew her. And um, I, she's our first guest, I think, who like works in television. Oh, really? If you don't count Wayne, who was the autism consultant for Parenthood. I would consider that definitely working in television. So we can call me, we can say that I'm uh, the sloppy second uh, <laughs> yeah. television You're person. the first creative. Yeah. Oh, the first that? creative. Okay. I will take that. <laughs> well, so first question, where are you joining us from today? I am joining you from beautiful Los Angeles, California in the garage of my house. And uh, I... I think I answered your question. Next. Yes. <laughs> Next question. Can you tell us a little bit about Team Martin, your family growing up and your family now? Yes. Team Martin. I have a mom and a dad. They don't live Braverman close to me, but we are in the same city. We're on sort of like different coasts of Los Angeles. They are still very much a part of the team. And my little sister, Jenna, lives a stone's throw. And I am married to a woman and she, uh, we've been married going on four years. Her name is Mo. And we have a baby girl named Cleo, who oh. is about a year and a half. And oh, one more member of the team, I have to say, is somebody you know, Caleb, which is our sperm donor, Kanoa, who is Love a Kanoa. wonderful man. And he's definitely part of the team. Aww. Also a school chum. <laughs> also, oh, definitely chum. He's a chum of mine too. And yeah, he's, we've gotten even chummier over the years as we've created life together. I would imagine that lends itself. <laughs> There's something of a closeness that you develop when, <laughs> when you're making life happen out of absolutely nothing. Wow. Yeah. So lastly, what was your history with the show Parenthood? It was weekly viewing for me. Yeah, I, it was, I watched it every single week. It was like... I, it it just um, was so, such comfort food for me. I'm like, a, you know, a Gilmore Girls is, I revisit it probably once every two, three years and just kind of devour it all the way through. And this was a, this felt like an extension of that. You are speaking my language. Yeah, two of yeah. my all-time <laughs> favorite shows. <laughs> Great. I, I take it that's what maybe attracted you to Parenthood in the first place? I would say it was the Lord, definitely the Graham factor. Um, <laughs> but also... Caleb, it's so weird. I feel like you 
maybe influenced me to watch it, to start watching it. Cause I feel like you were posting about it or something. And I was like, okay, Probably. well, I kind of, <laughs> I trust his opinion, but that's my relationship with it. But I truly have not watched a second of it since last night when I watched <laughs> out of completely out of context, season three, episode two. So yeah. We'll talk about a segue today. We're discussing season three, episode two. Hey, if you're not using that baby, it was written by Carrie Aaron, directed by Lawrence Trilling. It originally aired on September 20th, 2011. Here's the NBC synopsis. Christina is concerned over Max's well-being as he attends a mainstream public school. Sarah and Mark Sear define and grow their relationship, while Hattie and Alex may be drifting apart. Meanwhile, the stress of the adoption process causes Julia to act irrationally, and Adam changes his career plans. So this episode begins with Christina watching Max sleep, which isn't creepy at all. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like if you play the right song, then it's like beautiful, but... It just got... She was so close to him. Like, oh, if you're watching him from the door before you go like shake him awake, but like the looming over him... (laughs) Oh my gosh. It reminds me of that book. You know that book, um, I Love You Forever? Yeah. <laughs> Where, you know, the mom is holding her 40 to 50 year old son at one point creeping in and and I, I think taking a ladder to his window and still rocking him to sleep the way she did when he was a baby. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's that kind of thing where you're like, oh wait, am, is that really cute or is that a little creepy? A little bit trying to know. Yeah. But so it was Max's first day of school. I thought the uh, all the Bravermans meet outside, and as they go inside, the kids saying "Bye, Dad," "Bye, Dad," and then silence from Max. That was a very effective way of just illustrating some of the things Adam and Christina don't get from their kid. Yeah, mm-hmm. that I think would be hard. So here's some of Max in class. And let me just say before we hear this clip that Max's teacher is played by Kelly Wolf, who is the actor Max Burkholder's mother. What? <gasps> I had no oh, idea. Wow. Hitting us with the hard trivia. So let's listen to that Kelly is hilarious. disciplining her actual son. Wow. <gasps> So the big social studies project we're going to be doing is we're going to be studying the California missions. You'll have a long-term project doing about You're not supposed weeks. to write in the book. Um, Max, yes, you are. can you please raise your hand if you want to say something? She's writing in her book and she's not supposed no, to do that. No, I'm not. I, I'm not writing. Okay. Yes, you okay, are. And you're not supposed to because no, it's in I'm the not. rules. Okay, Max, is there listen, we'll deal with this later. It's also in the rules that you don't talk out in class. Right, Max? Right, Max? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, let's talk Great. about the missions. Does anybody know how many missions there 21. were? 21, and there still are 21. It's not That's uh, correct past. answer, but can you raise your hand, please, before you give the answer? What is the name of the man who started the missions? Yes? Father Sarah. Father Junipero Very good. Sarah. She was wrong. There could be plenty of people whose last names were Sarah and were also priests. But there probably weren't too many of those. It was okay, very who common knows last name the name of the highway that they were El Camino on. Rio. That's a correct answer, Max. But again, you raised your hand, yes. but I need to call on you before so, you answer. So you should have specified that. You just said I needed to raise my hand. I, I did specify. No, you, I said you just said Max. raise your hand. I don't get why we have to raise our hands because if you were in a real okay, conversation, listen, we're gonna, then you wouldn't like raise your hand every Max time you wanted to Braverman, contribute something to the conversation. You would just later. go. So, Melissa, in your professional opinion, how would you evaluate oh. how the teacher handled that? That was so difficult to 
figure out because I kept thinking that would be incredibly distracting. But I also thought, I don't know that I've ever in my life had a discussion with students that worked like that, where I just asked like a trivia question and everyone had to raise their hand and I called on one student. Of course, I teach high school and not this, but I, I was like, probably what would happen in my classroom is that you know, I encourage all of them to have discussions sort of on their own and to like regulate the amount they're talking. And so it's more, and I try to kind of stay out of it as much as possible. So that was a very teacher led uh, discussion. And I try to have it be more student led where, you know, they will pose questions and answer them. And he totally would have monopolized that one as well, I'm sure. And so I probably would have after class, not in the middle of class, I would have pulled him aside and said, okay, so it's really important that everyone gets a chance to speak. But I think doing that in front of everyone just didn't help anything. You know, I, I think that maybe give everyone a break, pull him out into the hallway. I, I just didn't love that she was just basically getting into a fight with him in front of everyone. And I also thought, well, she knew this kid was going to be in her room. You know, she knew what his challenges were. And I'm like, I wonder if there's a better system, like give everyone a little whiteboard and have everyone write down the answer and then hold it up. And then that way he can be right every single time, but other people get a chance mm. to have voice as well. So th those were just some of my thoughts. So you're saying she sucks as a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have to say kind of, I, I yeah. <laughs> and I was really glad that they weren't in a public school because, you know, they're in a charter school. And I'm like, good, because I don't want the depiction of public school teachers to be people who like don't answer when parents write them nine times. And while I agree that Christina should maybe back off and, and give a little space, I'm like, I have, I have never had to get a second email from a parent. Oh, that is one that of- That made me sick. I was like, don't- That made me sick. We'll yeah, get to it. But yeah. Yeah. But that, I, I just, it was very hard to sympathize with the teacher because I'm like, you, you have this parent who's very worried about her kid and, and she's writing you more because you're not answering her. Like, and it's making her escalate. So. Yeah. Yeah. I have to say, I did find Christina just two episodes into season three- Already she's annoying me way less than she did last <laughs> season. And maybe it's just because I know that she's working or I don't know what it is. But even though I feel like her behavior in this episode was completely consistent with what we've seen before, which has annoyed me before sometimes, it didn't really annoy me this time. I, I really did sympathize with her. Yeah. So whatever trend this is, keep it up. because <laughs> I, I like Christina. Is it because she's like, 11 months pregnant in this episode. That, uh, that might help it too. Or, and that she was frequently <laughs> acknowledging that that might be why she was emotional. Like that helped. I just, I, I like when people are self-aware. Mm -hmm. So at least if yeah. she knows, I might be coming across as a little crazy right now. Just that self-awareness. I'm like, well, then I forgive it. Yeah. <laughs> if you're aware yeah. that it's there, then <laughs> no problem. I'm compassionate. Yeah, as long as you label it, as long as you label your crazy, Caleb forgives. <laughs> <laughs> That's my policy. <laughs> well, and I also really related to her saying, if she would just email me back, I would feel a little bit better. Like <laughs> the way she said that and the fact that she said that, sometimes when I feel a little out of control, I, I do, I just want some sort of validation, some sort of, acknowledgement of what I'm going through. And then I, I sort of simmer right down, but 
sometimes I'll just really spiral if I feel like I'm not getting some sort of help or acknowledgement if that's what I'm clearly asking for. Nine yeah. emails signifies cry for help. <laughs> Let's get Well, and Christina used the word unraveling yeah. in that scene. And I thought, oh, I can relate. I yeah. mean, who can't? <laughs> We've all unraveled waiting for an email. Yes. Everyone <laughs> for can sure. relate to that. Well, so here's Christina with the teacher. I wanted to see if I could talk to you for a couple of minutes. I brought a coffee. Oh, I, I, I thought we could go. speak for a second. I sent you a couple of emails oh, nine, regarding I Max. Think. I know that's a lot for four days, but I just really wanted to talk to you about Max's progress. Right. I, I brought us a coffee. No, I thought I we could sit and take Listen, a moment just to. I'm going to get to those. I'm going to get to all my emails tonight. I'll get to it tonight. Is that. You know what? Please. Please, I just, I really would like to talk to you for just, it'll take five minutes. That's it, a couple seconds. Okay, okay, okay. All right, sit, sit down. Let's, uh... If I weren't worried, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have barged in like this, but Max's dad and I took a huge, huge leap of faith by sending him to the school mm -hmm. and mainstreaming him. Right. Well, why did you mainstream him? Well, what do you mean? Do you think it was a bad idea? Because I fought my oh, no, husband no, on it no. for a little while. I'm not saying it was a bad idea. I'm okay. asking why you did it. So he could be academically challenged. And he will be. Oh. He's extremely bright. I just, I worry because... I'm going to sound like a weirdo, but I actually left work yesterday just to sort of spy on him, just to see how he was doing and coping, and I'm worried about him socially. And I, and I came to school, and I saw him sitting on the on the table by himself at lunchtime, and I just get a little concerned. I know I sound like a total freak, and I'm just, I'm very emotional because of hormones, and... You're not a freak. It's, you're just gonna have to get a little more comfortable with having less control. That's gonna be really hard for me. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I sympathized with the teacher to the extent of, like, having to set some boundaries with Christina or with any Braverman. But again, I, I really was largely on Christina's side. And, and even like when she said, this will sound crazy, but I spied on him during lunch. It didn't strike me as all that crazy. And maybe it was just because like, yeah, and then you went back to work rather yeah. than I sat at home all day worrying about Max. It's like, no, I went about my normal day functioning as an adult. <laughs> and Max was on my mind the whole time. And I just wanted to, to check in because I was concerned. I actually thought it was quite reasonable. Oh, I relate so hard to that. I, you know, you, you do like kind of stalk and spy on your baby a lot. Like, you know, I mean, every nanny is like, it's okay if you have cameras around the house, they just fully accept like, you know, you're going to want to spy and you're going to want to stalk because it's your baby. Like there's something about it. That's just like the, the ability to check in. We only have, we have one like little nanny cam upstairs. I don't even call it a nanny cam. It's, it's, that's like the old school expression for it. Like we have one camera in her nursery that, you know, I'll just check in every once in a while, just to be like, how you doing? Oh, they're singing cute. Okay. Bye. You know, <laughs> yeah. and it's, I guess it's it, as long as everyone's aware of it, it's fine. But I get that you'll, you know, I'll be working and I'll be totally focused on work, but then there'll be that kernel of like, okay, is she okay? And there's a, a real comfort in just going, they're okay, you know? Yeah. And even though she went to the school and confirmed that like things weren't okay, there's at least clarity in knowing the situation. Yeah. I, re yeah. I, related to, I related to her. And I was mad at the teacher for saying, yeah, nine emails. So yeah. she knew, she counted them. Yeah. It seemed like she was building up <laughs> aggravation for her. I agree. Like, you know, as a teacher, 
the longer I've been doing this, the more important boundaries have become to me. I mean, I, I used to, when I first started teaching, think that I had to email people back, even if it was 10 o'clock at night or a weekend. You know, I, I spent nights and weekends working a lot more than I do now. I've, I've kind of learned the importance of work-life balance. But having said that, this teacher seemed to me like she was trying to set boundaries, but she wasn't holding up her end of the bargain. I'm like, you have to keep parents in the loop. That's a major part of your job. And I just think it would be embarrassing if a parent sent a second email before you'd replied. I could not believe she let it get to nine. That was just something I kind of couldn't get past. So, Well, there was, I want to play just this brief little moment at lunch. This hit me so hard the first time I watched the episode because I wasn't, I didn't remember what was going to happen in this scene. Hi. I'm Max Braverman. I looked you in the eye. I was so relieved that Max's main reaction was like taking offense. <laughs> yes. Because I felt so bad for him as he walked up and it's like, oh my God, is he about to be crushed? Oh. Are his feelings about to be really hurt? And I mean, I'm sure they still were hurt, but oh, I was like, I thought, oh no, it, it, this is going to be like super painful. And instead it was like, oh, it's kind of funny. He's just like cranky. I was actually mad at Adam and Christina for giving him that terrible advice. I'm like, no one, no one makes friends by going up to you and saying, hi, this is my name and I'm shaking your hand. I'm like, who says that to an elementary school kid? That's just setting him up to be clobbered. Yeah. Yeah. Like even if Brad Pitt came up to me and said, hi, I'm Brad Pitt. I think I would be like, (laughs) it's a little intense. Yeah. But uh, (laughs) you're very handsome, but uh, it's it's a little intense. What I love about what I was remembering or love about parenthood is that the music always tells you how to feel. Cause like when he, after he does that, the music's like, and you're like, Oh, you don't have to worry about him. We're having fun. Yeah. If his feelings had been hurt, it would have been like a very tender guitar solo. Exactly. Not. (laughs) How might the tender um, guitar solo have gone? Uh, Now I want to. Yes. I, I looked you in the eyes. <laughs> I did write down, I was like, they should just let Jabbar fix every situation. Yeah. Because he sits with Max yes. and like, he's truly just an angel child. Uh, it's like, what other problems in this episode could Jabbar just solve? Oh, I'm sure he solved so many problems in this episode that we didn't see. Just like, behind he the was, scenes. He was floating around at every table, <laughs> telling people, figuring out what people could talk about. You know, it wasn't just the video game solution. (laughs) I think it was like, Aunt Sarah, are you afraid to be loved? And then she's like, you're right, I am. And then she, you know, made it work with Mark. Yeah, thanks, Jamar. I think behind the scenes that happened. (laughs) Well, I wonder what he would say to Adam. How's that? That's a nice one. (laughs) As Adam struggles to figure out what his next step is. What you doing? I am thinking about what if I don't take this job? I thought you said that you were I going just to keep turning it over in my head. I... Beverage distribution. I'd buy a beverage from you. It's just not a very inspired career choice. I know. It's just until you find something a little more inspiring. That's all. That's true. That's a good point. I have to let him know by Wednesday. Okay. Whatever you want to do. Right. I thought that was a really interesting conflict. 
what what do you do? You know, if I, I, I that just sounds like the most boring job that's ever been created. Um, <laughs> this beverage distribution, it, and and I it also made me think: what is the importance of just taking what you can get in the service of your family versus wanting something to use his word inspired? You know, something that feels meaningful and and important. I don't know. I I thought I'd be curious to hear what you two thought about that. Yeah, I mean, I think they did a really good job at establishing stakes for mm-hmm. him. I think, you know, literally this is the episode where his kid is being mainstreamed. That's going to take some of his emotional energy and some of his wife's emotional energy. She's, like I said, 12 or 13 months pregnant <laughs> and he's picking a shirt. We've all, I think, you know, in the, especially in the creative space, you, you do grapple between picking the secure or steady thing over the thing that you're maybe more, um, you'd maybe be more creatively fulfilled by, but is a little more of a toss up in terms of it's, if it's going to be stable, secure, the, you know, that sort of thing. And I, I get it when there are that many, I feel like in my twenties, I was able to take more risks like that. Like, okay, no, go with the thing that I think I'll have more fun with. And now it's sort of, you, you have to look at, look at the balance more of like, okay, well, I kind of have to provide, you know, and it's, uh, I thought that that scene was actually really well done. And the fact that she kind of flirted with him in the midst of it was really cute. And <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I thought, I think it's a very real, it's a very real story. I mean, a privileged one. He's choosing between, it, it seems like he's got the choice yeah. and he'll be fine no matter what, but yeah. you know. Yeah. I was struck by an aspect of Adam that I hadn't really dwelled on much before. I think when she said, you know, this is just until you find something that's a little more inspiring or later when they're in bed together and he's talking about his hesitation taking this job, but that he's going to do it. It reminded me of that scene from season one when Christina worked on her friend's campaign just like for a weekend. And she said, I felt seen and I felt valuable and, and all this stuff, how much she loved her work. And I realized well, Adam has sacrificed a lot because I think I don't think that his position at TNS was ever inspiring to him no. ever. I mean, it might've been the devil he knew mm-hmm. and it sounds like it paid very well. So there was the, the trade-off there, but I thought, man, he spent his entire adult life, a third of every weekday devoted to work. He hates because of this feeling of responsibility he has to be the provider. And of course, and like not everyone can just follow their passion and only do what makes them happy all the time and expect to earn a living. And this is all within a context of a, like a, a baseline of privilege. Yeah, for but sure. It is a big sacrifice. And I thought like, I, I don't know, I, I never think about that that much. I think because I like the work that I do. And so I work to me doesn't automatically have a connotation of like a grind. Yeah. Work to me is like, oh, fun. The thing that gives me purpose and fulfillment. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, it is not that for a lot of people, probably most people, I would guess. I think you're right. I think it is most people. Teaching is really hard work and might not strike people as super fun, but I love it. And yeah, it makes me sad, even though Adam's a TV character. <laughs> it makes me sad the idea of anyone just feeling that way about work and Yeah, it's why I really desperately want him to go into work with Crosby, even though, as we've said, if this were real life, we'd be like, that's a dumb idea. Don't do that. (laughs) 
<laughs> but on the show, I'm like, do it. What do you have to lose? Yeah, yeah. You're going to have a baby and Max is being mainstreamed and Hattie's going to college. Screw it all. <laughs> so Also, tiny detail from the little catalog he's looking at from the beverage company. It looks like the company is called R&B. It's like some TNS to R&B. Is that just their, their go-to strategy for naming fake corporations? Yes. It's just two letters, guys. Does, yeah. Which two should they be? That's the question. Root and beer. <laughs> Root and beer. <laughs> well, I loved, I just laughed at this scene between Zeke and Adam. Oh, so funny. And also, I, I want to point out, before I play this, the first thing that Zeke criticizes about Crosby Sounds to me like he's describing himself. I need your help here. I need you to just remind me of all the ways that Crosby's a screw-up, okay? He's impulsive. I mean, my gosh, he thinks everybody feels the same way about stuff that he does, and he finds out that you're on a different page than he is. What's he Total doing? Total different page. He gets upset. Yeah, like a little baby. That kid has managed to lose every tool I've ever owned. Not surprising. And he goes through women like cotton candy. Yeah, don't forget, he slept with my son's behavioral aid. Mm. And, you know, every time we go out for a meal, guess who has to pick up the check? You do. I do. When he was 16, he stole my car, he backs into a garbage can. Remember this? Tears the bumper off. Yep. Guess who ends up paying for it? You. Yeah, me. Sure. Why? He's not going to pay for it. He's not going to pay for no. it. No. You know what? He takes stuff without asking. Borrows money. No. Yeah, doesn't, doesn't pay it back. back. And you know what really bothers me? This is kind of crazy, but sometimes, you know, he wears the same shirt two days in a row. Yeah. Well, I do. Yeah, well, I, yeah, well, you know, I mean, unless you're camping, it's kind of gross. <laughs> anyway. Boy, son, I gotta tell you, I understand perfectly, completely, why you wouldn't go into business with him. Yeah, and yet you give him my social security number. It just seemed to mean so much to him. When he told me, I swear to God, he had tears in his eyes. You suck, Dad. You suck swear to god he had tears in his eyes it's just like <laughs> it's so good <laughs> it's like this like abbott and costello routine in the middle of this dramedy i know he goes through dames like cotton candy so <laughs> why are you all of a sudden in a completely different era i love that this episode has dames and chums in it like this is very fun oh Classy. my gosh yeah yeah <laughs> we are we're only just getting started yeah. <laughs> I thought that the the criticism about going through women was really hypocritical of Zeke. I'm like, well, you know, you're who are you to judge? You've had affairs while you're married. <laughs> like at Crosby. Well, he had one. One affair. <laughs> For maybe decades, we don't know. They're still unclear about that. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> he has a second family. <laughs> oh, no. That's gonna be the In sequel yeah. of Parenthood. It's gonna premiere next year. <laughs> <laughs> It's going to be called. I just did like a failed spit take. Oh my gosh. Oh. Zeke's second family. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I think it's good. They're going to be the Braver Ermans. I don't know. That's the Braver Ermans. Yeah. The bravest mans. Yeah. There you go. I'm done. Well, by the end of this episode, it sure does seem like Adam. Well, it doesn't seem like Adam has made his choice. And, um, Melissa, I take it you're glad. I'm glad, but I, I have a I have a quibble. In the last episode, Christina took the the promotion from work without asking Adam first, and Adam like threw a baby fit about that. And he and did indeed. yeah, he was like, "Why didn't you run it by your family? You should have told them that instead of yes." And I was like, "All right, hypocrite!" Like, you know, in this one, Adam's like, "I I'm in." 
I got to tell Christina I'm not going to take the job um, with, you know, R&B, but I'm in. And I'm like, you should talk to Christina first. You literally just called her out for this. I just, I, I thought that was kind of shitty, but that's, that's it. Other than very that. Very good point. Thank you. Other than that, I was very excited. And not only that, he literally said, don't tell Christina. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I have to do it. Yeah. I guess I'm, I'm on the same page as you though. Like, I don't really want to watch Adam distribute beverages, even though, yes, if he were like a friend of mine, I would probably say, this doesn't seem very practical. Yeah. Any other one does. Well, well, also, they're making it seem like beverage distribution is like handing out bottles of root and beer to people. <laughs> like, it's he, what he does is, you know, he is more complicated. If I had a friend who said, oh, yeah, I have a big job in beverage distribution, I would say, wow, you sound like a real adult. That sounds really cool. And like, you know, True. Sounds, it, it, it sounds secure. But they're they're acting like it's, well, compared to, you know, co-running a record uh, <laughs> studio, it doesn't sound as cool, but I don't know. And and I love, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get ahead of myself, but Do that it. conversation that he, when, when Dax's character, sorry, I'm going to be doing that a lot, <laughs> is like, no, but you know how to talk to these guys. And it's like, he says one thing that's basically like <laughs> do you want to do you want to like run a business where people are in cubicles and that and that makes him go he really got me thinking it's like that's not how it works <laughs> nobody's exchanging numbers or like he just has that thing oh. from his years in the shoe business I guess I don't know <laughs> that's true now I'm wondering since you said you're gonna be calling the actors by their names a lot do you know anyone in this cast like have you worked with anyone oh no i was not saying dax as in like my dear purse <laughs> oh, okay dax. that's fine i'll I cut that out know. so i don't seem like you know ethel or lucy <laughs> <laughs> do you know a tv star <laughs> boy oh my gosh i should just pretend that i'm friends with everyone and just be like oh yeah lauren i remember when she was doing this episode uh she called she texted me you know about what hat May Whitman should wear my dear friend May in that one scene, <laughs> and I said, "Go for a baseball, hat, red baseball hat, and just tuck all your hair in." Today, <laughs> please don't cut that out, Kayla. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <sighs> okay. Well, let's move on to Alex. Oh, dear Alex, I wish you knew Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. Oh man, I, I do wish. too. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so let me get a little nerdy thing I looked up out of the way first. Julia tells Hattie that Alex could go to jail. And so I thought, could he? Let's look it up. And according to criminaldefenselawyer.com <laughs> and California Penal Code 243, Penal. the basic penalties for simple battery charged as a misdemeanor are up to six months in jail, a fine up to $2,000, and probation up to six months. And assault is the same, except with a $1,000 fine. But I also found this interesting from that same site. It said, striking another person with a fist during an argument or shoving someone are straightforward examples of battery. And I thought, well, then didn't Zach arguably batter Alex yes, too? Yes, he shoved him. Repeatedly, like not to the ground, but it was definitely hostile. You know, I put this question out there, even though I know the answer. Why doesn't Alex just turn around and say, uh, I'm pressing charges against you? Yeah. I know why he doesn't do that. No. But made me angry. Like, come on, Zach. You're just as guilty. Or maybe I should say Zach's parents. Yeah. Mm. That's a question I had. 
Zach says that if it were up to him, he would drop the charges, but that it's his parents who are pursuing it and that they're pursuing it because Alex has a record. Did you believe that? No. But it's cool if you guys did. Did you guys believe that? Not really. I thought he was a worm and like what that's what worms do. They just worm out of shit. You know, he's like, oh, you know, what? I don't even want to deal with this. I'm just going to tell you. Yeah, I don't care uh, if it were up to me. I would drop it. But the way he said that, you know, dude's got a record that made it sound like it was relevant. It's not relevant to this. I don't. Right. Think. Yeah. And like if he had a record where like weekly he went to parties punching strangers okay then it's like someone has to someone put an has end to stop to this man's reign of terror He's a, this man is a serial <laughs> party puncher right but it's like stopped. oh once when he was 12 he tried to rob a store and then he hasn't done anything since okay yeah i i fail to see why well we have to press charges wait do you think he was 12 that's almost cute right? yeah I, I was like am i missing something I don't know. Didn't he say when he was a kid? Yeah, that's true. But he also said, I was out of alcohol. And I'm like, some kids start young. You know, Drew Barrymore. Barrymore. (laughs) That's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't know. Yeah, maybe he was. Oh, that's not cute. That was a joke. I didn't mean, I was just thinking of a cute little kid being like, give me money. But that's not funny at all. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's hear Alex's account of what exactly he did. I don't know how you couldn't have told me that. Hattie, you have no clue. You have no idea what I went through. Those years I was in trouble, things that I'm ashamed of. Hattie, I picked up my dad's gun and tried to rob a liquor store. Okay, because I had no money, I had no food. I had no alcohol. I need. I needed it, Hattie. I. I. I didn't. I, I was so low, and I, I was so weak. I, I. I didn't know what to do. If I would have been honest up front, would you have still dated me? Would you have still been here, Hattie? Could you? Could you have loved me? No, you wouldn't have looked twice at me. Why? Because when people hear that, it defines you. That's it. There is no second chances. I didn't. I. I didn't want to lose you. And I. I can't. I can't. I can't lose you. I, I don't have anybody else. So I'm so torn on this whole scene and this whole storyline, because if you look at it one way, it's really moving, and like you know, Michael B. Jordan portrays it so beautifully. He's of so course. good. And it's touching. And there's aspects of it that are really compelling, like him saying that he can't lose Hattie, that she's all he has. And I just think, oh, this is what Adam and Christina were worried about, that their like child ends up feeling responsible for this guy's sobriety, which is a lot to put on anyone's shoulders, let alone a minor. And that, But that's really interesting that she does love him But if there's that aspect of the relationship, how does she handle that? And I think what he says about when you hear something like that, it defines you. I think that's really compelling. Why do we let it define people? Why are we not willing to give people a shot at redeeming themselves? I mean, Alex's actions, certainly as long as we've known him, have been exemplary, like the model of redemptive. But 
I think he's right. If people here, especially a black man, mm-hmm. tried to rob a store once, there's no, oh, but look at everything I did after that. No, it defines you. But then if you just shift the perspective slightly, then it's just this character who was kind of half stereotypical to begin with, just going all in on the stereotype. And I feel bad. It also feels clearly like this is leading to the end of Alex on the show. And I just think, oh, you're like doing this character wrong. Yeah. That this is how you get him off the show. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's uh, the casting of Michael B. Jordan too. It just, to me, it puts everything in with like rose colored glasses. Cause I'm just, everything he says, he could say anything to me. He could have a way worse criminal record or whatever, or, or be a way less good person. And I'm just like, you are so, you are so charming. (laughs) You are (laughs) so, you are so good. I mean, he was such a gift to these like guest starring roles during this time. Like, I don't know if you guys watched Friday Night Lights. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's another top, maybe top five favorites. And he just walks onto these shows and you're like, who is this guy? He, and you know, he had a troubled time on Friday Night Lights too, but like you just, oh God, boy, do you, do you root for him and love him immediately? Yes. But yeah, Caleb, I think, I think everything you're saying is dead on. And it, it, what a compelling monologue. You kind of can't, there's almost no two, he almost gives you no two ways to look about it. Cause at the end of it, you're like, yeah, I'm going to stay with you, yeah. <laughs> you know, but yeah, it is kind of gearing towards the end. It does. You're, you're aware of what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. The only thing that felt consistent with last season, Alex, to me was that very last part where he said, I can't lose you. You're all I have. I remembered him telling Adam Hattie was the first thing like family I'd had in a really long time. It felt good to have that again. So I thought that feels consistent. But again, my my major problem with this is last semester, he like told us everything. He put everything. He put all his cards on the table. I just love that you used semester. Yeah. (laughs) Such a teacher. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Last season. Oh, no, you're right. I'm such a teacher. But it probably was last semester. It probably was. It was a different semester. Um, But yeah, he you know, was upfront with Adam and Christina about his whole life. He said that he tries to be honest all the time. And I just can't get past it that it feels like they betrayed. Yeah. Did him wrong. As Caleb said, it feels like they betrayed who the character was fundamentally to kind of turn him into a stereotype just to have like a compelling exit. There are, there are lots of things that could have happened to break them up or to get him off the show. And I get that they had to get him off the show because he's Michael B. Jordan and he probably had a million offers. <laughs> he had movie stardom waiting for him. He did. He had the, yeah. He was about to go be sexiest man alive. He needed to leave. So anyway. <laughs> but yeah, what you said about just the inconsistency was front and center in my mind on this episode. I, I mean, also made me think hearing that the robbery was alcohol related, was related to his alcoholism. I thought he's been so honest. Yeah about his alcoholism. Like if he was worried that Hattie wouldn't love him because he'd be defined by his past mistakes. I'm like, well, why did you tell her all about your alcoholism? Like day one. But like, oh, but that one thing. And he's like, I believe in being 100% honest. Well, 99.9. Yeah. There's this one thing I don't say. And also if it was alcohol related, don't you think he would have brought it up in an AA meeting? Yeah. Which Hattie went to several of them. Yeah. It's like, was he lying to the people in the meeting too? It just, yeah, it doesn't feel like who he is and who we've come to know. 
And that idea of dependency, like if he becomes dependent on Hattie and puts her in that awkward position, I wondered like, could they maybe have just had him relapse? Like just fall off the wagon and get drunk, not commit a crime, right? not have a record, but maybe just get drunk and Hattie see a totally different side of him. And maybe then she could feel all of that same pressure. Like, oh man, this is, shit got real. Yeah. And I'm not sure if I can handle that. I'm in my senior year. I'm trying to become an adult and this is just a lot. Yeah. Or he he even could have made the decision. He could have fallen off the wagon and then decided this is the most important person in the world to me. She's just a kid. I'm not going to force her to stay with me if I want to protect her by leaving her. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been compelling too. Or you know what? If he had to have a record, what if it was something that genuinely wasn't his fault, which happens to black men all the time? And that's why he wasn't honest about it. Maybe he was like, I didn't do it. I've been honest about all my mistakes, but they, you know, arrested me thinking I was someone else or I don't know. But you know what I mean? Like that Mm -hmm. would have been really compelling if odds are just stacked against him. And yeah, yeah, that would have been so much more. If there was something more, more in line with his character, of being like, you know, if he was trying to do a good thing, but it, it ended up being a bad thing, you yeah. know, if, if instead of just this kind of really, yeah, stereotypical kind of pat, you know, I robbed a liquor store yeah. when I was six or seven. <laughs> uh, I, well, I quoted from this article from Huffington Post last week about the problems with the Alex storyline in season three. There's not a whole lot I can add from the article this week that doesn't spoil stuff to come, but here was one paragraph from it. So this is written by Stacia L. Brown. In general, Hattie is a pretty selfish, often insufferable character. She is self-absorbed in the way so many teen girls are. And even when she offers Alex a listening ear as he faces adult assault charges and possible prison time, her voice has the distracted air of someone wondering whether Wilco's next tour dates will include her town. (laughs) Wow. Damn. So agree Savage. or disagree? Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh. You know, based on her character first two seasons, disagree. But in these two episodes so far of season three, agree. Like I, I think she I think this is largely her fault, you know, just everything we said last time about you're dating an alcoholic. That doesn't mean you are responsible for his sobriety, but maybe if you know he's about to pick you up, don't be falling down drunk. Like, and you can be considerate. Yeah, yeah. Maybe have a beer or something. I don't know. It just felt like just not being aware of who she was in a relationship with or what this might do to him, not just his alcoholism, but the fact that he's, you know, black and doesn't have the same privileges she has. And that when he walks into a party full of strangers, what that might look like for him as compared to her, you know? And and I feel like the Hattie of, of the past would have been kind of aware of that. I think she was someone who was aware of privilege and such. And so this feels kind of like a regression to me. And it was kind of upsetting. And so I, I think that's a fair assessment. She she doesn't sound all that concerned, even when she's like, Aunt Julia, could she could he go to prison? Like how how big a deal is that? You know, she just sounds so clueless and like a kid. Yeah. I mean I Caleb, when you were reading the description of this episode very well, I might add. Um, <laughs> Thanks. I was struck by just how many uh storylines there were in this and how and how disjointed they felt. Like and I I feel like that makes it hard 
to uh, harder to have like kind of an emotional through line because it kept shifting to different worlds and and they felt disconnected. So I was kind of like, you know, every time that Hattie came up, it was like, I don't want to say her performance was bland, but her emotional, like the emotional stakes just did feel low. You know, uh, we just had a scene about something with Adam's job and then we'd go, we're at school and she approaches him, the guy at his locker. And it's, it just felt, it feels very low stakes. It, it felt, I don't know if it's a fault of just like too many things that they were trying to accomplish in this episode. So you couldn't really dig deep into what Hattie was feeling, but yeah, I never connected with anything she was with what she was feeling in the episode. And when she put her hand on Michael B. Jordan's shoulder in that scene, I didn't, I, it felt like if they had more room to breathe, then we could have gotten into a more complex side of whatever she was feeling when he was telling her about that, instead of just completely being like, yeah, I love you. I'm here. You know, <laughs> I couldn't have predicted what she was go going to do in that scene. You know, the, the scene that made me feel that way was at the end of their date. And I was like, by the way, what a weird thing. They were like, good movie, good walk. Like, I'm like, <laughs> like this whole big thing wasn't happening to them. Yes. So casual. So tomorrow, am I, am I going to go with you to the lawyer? No, no, Hattie, you can't. For what? If you're like feeling scared or, or worried or something, I would want to be there like to help no. however I can. You've been there for me. All right, and, and you've been helping me so much just by spending time with me and just hanging out and just, just taking my mind off of it, and, and that, that means the world to me. Okay. All right, let me just do this myself. Okay. I, just something I just need to get through, and, I, and I'll, t I'll tell you about it later. I'll tell you about it tomorrow. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. If you need to. Yeah. Tell me you love me. Okay, I love you. Give me a kiss. Okay. I thought in lots of her scenes this season that maybe they're trying to show that she is immature mm. under these circumstances. Mm. That like he's dealing with adult stuff and she is still a child because she comes off as really young. But at the end of season two, you know, like in the finale, Julia said, Hattie looks so mature and like she's yeah. having sex now. So of course that just, you know, triggers the change now she's an adult you can just see it on people's faces when they have sex for the first time right but yeah i don't know if the immaturity feels authentic because it's like but she was already more mature than this and then perhaps the result is it just reads as like is she uninterested <laughs> in and i don't think it's sarah ramos's performance it feels like a larger issue than just like oh if you just these lines can work this storyline can work and like not sure that it can i think she's giving it a really fair chance at working and it, the problem is bigger than her i was just so yeah perplexed by like tell me you love me and she's like i love you you know and and, and he was like you know I, I just thought first of all you should just tell him you love him without being prompted because he's going through all this shit and it's basically your fault so you should be like i am here for you I love you, you know, like, but she's like, I love you, you know, <laughs> like it's nothing. Yeah. And he just has to like ask for it. And I just thought that. Although also I hated that. That's, that's the least I've ever liked Alex. Really? It's just that. Ugh, it It's, it's like infantilizing. I'm like, that's what you say to your four year old before mm. they go to bed. Like give mommy a kiss. I agree. Yeah. And it's like, uh, she's an adult. Let her do her thing. That's a good point. It's a weird possessiveness kind of thing. And again, 
I've never seen him behave that way. Yeah. Well, why didn't he just say, I love you? And then she'll probably say it back, you know? And that's like, I don't yeah. know. Because he was like, tell me you love me. But he didn't say it to her. I don't know. But And I'm like, for me to dislike Michael B. Jordan commanding me to tell him I love him, <laughs> that takes a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what's interesting about, with parenthood, like, it, it part of the appeal of it, and I remember this when it first came out, was that everyone, like, it seems like obviously they have a script, but the acting is very is very realistic. It's very yeah. like, you know, they're constantly interrupting each other. And, and I, w- I don't know if the interruptions are written into the script or whatever, but it seems very actor impulse. And um, it really is interesting hearing it as like a radio play when you just play the audio, because it's so, <laughs> it just sounds like you're overhearing a conversation in line behind you, you know? <laughs> it's yeah. like, as opposed to hearing it, how most shows would probably sound if you play, how like Grey's Anatomy would sound if you played uh, the audio back. It would sound more like a radio play. Yeah. Whereas, because the acting is more like probably script to screen, you know? Mm-hmm. And this is, it, it very much feels, especially in the uh, Lauren Graham, Mae Whitman scenes. It's oh. like, oh, they're just, it seems like they just said, have a conversation about the decoration of your ugly apartment. And then- <laughs> <laughs> you guys, you two seem to know what you're doing. <laughs> or Lauren Graham and Jason Ritter in this episode. Oh my I thought, God. Like, oh man, what, what's oh written on the page my... here? I bet Ugh. like almost none of it. It just seems like just I, it, it felt like they, the actors had sex the night before and they just <laughs> kept <laughs> have the cameras roll when they woke. It, it, it's, it's magical what Lauren Graham can do. But um, it was funny playing just that beginning scene and she's like, so, and it's just, <laughs> what? That's, yeah. That made it on television. Television. Yeah. And but it works. It works in the context of the tone that they've set for the show. Yeah. Yeah. Which is su- such realistic acting. Totally. One other thing about that scene, how does Alex like the way Alex reacts to her offering to come? It felt almost farcical to me. Like, oh, don't go across the hall because we have the second party for Rachel's dad over there. <laughs> like, you know, that kind of thing. But I, I, I was wondering, how does he think he's gonna keep this from her? she's the primary witness of what happened. Yeah. So even if she doesn't go to consult with the lawyer, like at some point, isn't someone going to ask her to corroborate events? It just seems like she is gonna find out that there's this element to the charges you're facing. I guess I can sympathize, but it seems like he's not thinking very far ahead, which maybe he wouldn't in this situation. You just like try and keep your head above water. But I thought you're not going to be successful in keeping this from her. And then lo and behold, didn't even last the whole episode. Yeah. I guess I'm glad for that, that it wasn't like a huge bombshell. I mean, it was, she was surprised, but then it's cleared up in one conversation, you know? So, but then, then I wonder what's the point? Like why, why even have him hide it from her? Maybe it's so that he can have that really beautiful monologue that was, you know. I think that's what it was. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. A a three-quarter mark monologue from Michael B. Jordan, and uh, they had to. (laughs) It was just a stepping stone. That's fair. You're right. (laughs) All right. Well, let's let's move on to Julia and Zoe. Oh. I thought at the beginning it was so nice of Julia to offer help to Zoe, but I think us, the viewers, knew right from the beginning it was so manipulative ulterior motives yeah Um, i was like you can't give someone free legal help as a leverage to get her to surrender her child to you no it's gross messed up messed up and acting like she's such a martyr yeah yeah and i also thought wow she took zoe's side without hearing 
any evidence. <laughs> I think he just wants to move his buddy in. Okay, I'll draft a cease and desist. <laughs> you don't need to hear anything else? I was glad later on they actually were discussing some details of it. So, okay, just enough for us to feel like off camera, she heard the whole story. <laughs> okay, because, but you know, I guess when you want the baby, you just go for it. Well, and she was also kind of trying to sound cool, I think, because I'm like, Julia doesn't say things like, that's yeah. not cool, not cool. You know, right. like, that's not how she usually talks to clients, yeah. I'm guessing. No, she's trying to speak barista. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the debate that Julia has with her husband oh, around this Jesus. issue. You know how I was joking about asking the latte girl if we could have her baby? Yeah. Um, what if I did? Did what? What if I asked her if we could have her baby? She told me she doesn't want it. She's giving it up. And we do want it. Wait, wait. What are you saying? I'm saying I want, I want to ask her. Honey, you can't walk up to somebody you work with and say, excuse me, if you aren't using that baby, can we have it? <laughs> Why not? Why not? OK. Honey, we know, we know nothing about this girl. I do. I know her. OK, how? She's lovely. She's lovely. She's, she's smart and, and beautiful From and so young and great at making lattes you don't know genetic makeup you don't know what this girl's been through she could be a crack addict she's not a crack addict we could be crack addicts she knows nothing about us well you can't meet her i can not, easily arrange this that it's just hey, not, not how it's addict. done well can you think outside the box here this is falling in our laps not, I, I can't this is, i can't think it's outside an amazing the box opportunity, on this one babe, no consider this, this, it you just can't go rogue on me and hammer out a deal at the coffee cart that's crazy julia You know that's crazy, right? We're going to get a baby. We're going to get our baby, but we're going to do it through the proper channels. We're going to do it the right way, and you just have to be patient here. First of all, I want to say that Joel with a beard, kind of a ginger beard, it reminded me of Prince Harry, <laughs> but like with a full head of hair. Very exciting. Anyway, I thought Joel is right, of course. Oh, yeah. yeah. But I, I oddly could see where Julia was coming from. Like it, it does feel like there's, it's like all the pieces are here. Shouldn't they fit together somehow? And yet, but yeah, of course that's just, that's not, but it did make me wonder like, Sam, if you don't mind me asking, like, how did you broach? This is not exactly the same. Um, <laughs> it's but, like, a how lot did you less first crazy. Broach, like with your friend, Hey, would you be our sperm donor? Oh, you know, it's so funny when the, when this, uh, when this episode started, I had no idea what it was about, obviously, and I haven't watched it in years. The stuff about the California missions with Max at first, I was like, oh, I'll be able to speak on that. But then <laughs> <laughs> I had a mission project. I was like, oh, this will be great. But when they got to this part, I was like, oh, definitely some parallels in terms of like, so, okay, when you want a baby, but you can't make it, you know, obviously as hard as Mo and I would try. <laughs> it didn't work out. We couldn't make it just the two of us. But, um, you know, you're so, I don't want to say desperate. You just really, you have a very strong longing. When you have a very strong longing for something, especially like something as big as a baby, on the one hand, you're like, any way that we make it is fine. Any way that we make it is fine. But on the other hand, you have this opportunity to really plan it. You have this opportunity to really curate the experience. And it's not as simple as just, you know, <laughs> penis plus vagina equals baby. <laughs> it's, uh, but anyway, to answer your question, you know, we had explored many different 
roots of how to bring the baby in. You know, we'd looked into sperm banks. We'd gone through so many different like donor pictures. We I can't tell you the amount of like donor baby screenshots that we have on our computer of like, how about this? How about this? How about this? And you just, you have no idea. So I was like, you know, my wife carried our baby and I remember just thinking to myself, okay, well, if we do have full control over the planning of this, it would mean a lot to me since I won't be like genetically related to our baby. If just when I look at him or her ended up being her spoiler. I <laughs> could like recognize the full picture of her. And so I was like, it would be great if we knew the donor, but that's so, you know, to find the right person who fits into that equation is it's not easy to find somebody who, who you feel like you can find the flow of that situation. And, but luckily my best friend, Kanoa, I thought, okay, well, you know, there's, there's a shot. He might want to do this. So one day I just had him come to work. I had him meet me at the studio and I, uh, we had like a, a lovely lunch together. And then at the end, I was like, I have to ask you something and I don't know how to ask it. And I just said, uh, you know, Mo and I want to have a baby. Is there any way you would consider giving us your sperm? <laughs> and I, and I said, and if not, just take it as the deepest compliment. Yeah. And if so, let's, let's talk it through. And that's really the only way I could figure out how to ask him, but oh my God, my heart was pounding. I hadn't had a moment like that in ever, you know, that you just yeah. don't, you, nothing can prepare you for asking somebody for some, something that epic. And also, um, you know, it is sperm. It is, it is, there's something, there's some comedy in it, but, um, he, he now says he was like, it was a yes from the beginning, but he just wanted to make sure that it was like a super yes, like yeah. that he thought it through completely. So we talked the three of us, Mo, Kano, and I talked once a week for four months wow. and went through every question that popped into his mind during that week and questions that popped into our minds and, then by the end of it, it was very much, we all felt like, wow, is this a planned pregnancy? Like this baby is wanted and thought through. And that was before she was, you know, Mo was even pregnant, of course. So it was, you know, it, but it ended up being the luckiest experience ever. And definitely we thought it through more than giving somebody free legal advice and then just <laughs> popping the question. <laughs> yes. <laughs> randomly. That's a good point. Maybe that's the way to broach it. It's like, mm -hmm. not yet. <laughs> Maybe wait. Cause yeah. this, it, I mean, Kanoa is like one of your very closest friends, right? Yes. Yeah. So it wasn't like this person you had just met that you're trying to bring up that like, there's so yeah. much trust and care already established which julia doesn't have she has a rapport maybe, maybe. but mm -hmm. nothing more with zoe yeah and, and and there was just a um you know you have to like as much as you're asking somebody to give them your baby but you're also asking them to sacrifice whatever control over their emotions they might have once the baby is born you're basically like saying, I don't know, you have no idea how they're going to feel when they give birth, you know, and you, it needs to be more open-ended. You need to let it, she, she shouldn't have just point blank asked. She should have said, she should have left it open-ended and open for discussion. It just felt very, it was like shocking. Yeah. You know, anyway, there, there were a lot of storylines going on in this episode. So I don't know if they had the, uh, <laughs> the, the room for anything more than will you do it? No. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, I, I actually wonder if she maybe should have asked sooner, like 
like, I don't, but, but like when you called it manipulative earlier to like do the free legal advice, that yes, I, I, I feel like that's what really made Zoe so hurt was she thought that Julia was being kind to her just because. Yes. And you, yeah. yeah, and you could just see the hurt. What I thought, I really, yeah, I want to like tip my hat. I'm not wearing a hat, but my proverbial hat to Rosa Salazar. Oh my God. I thought performed that so beautifully because I mean, to me, it seemed very clear that there was this moment of realization of this is the only reason you were helping me. I thought you were Mm -hmm. being kind to me, but this was transactional to you. And now it's time for me to live up to my end of the deal. It was gross. Which, I mean, she's right. (laughs) I, I think because we know Julia, we sympathize with her and think, Oh no, you know, Julia's a kind person. Yeah, but she's not going around helping every coffee cart person with their landlords, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah, that would make Zoe feel used. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have to say any of that. Like you said, Melissa, it was it was all just on her face. Yeah. It's like that's that's a part of acting I don't understand how people do that. <laughs> but but she did it. Yeah, because on this in the script, it probably just said the line "no," and um, yeah, she no. really turned it into "um no." Yeah, it was it, what what you the word you use transactional. I think is so is key. Like that's something we talked about so much when we were talking with Kanoa. It was like we want this to be a hard yes. It can't. It needs to be like you know, don't get me a gift. He was always like, don't get me a gift as a thank you. This is our thing that we're doing together. This is, I'm doing this as you guys are giving me the gift of being able to give you a gift, no special stuff. And I always thought that was so mature of him to say, but it seeing it in this episode, I was like, yeah, that's when you're dealing with this sort of thing, you're not buying something. There's no exchanges. It's just something you're agreeing to do for the best, for the good of the family and the baby. Yeah, well put. Thank you so much for talking Mm. about your experience. Oh, well, I'm, you know, I'm very like, I'm very proud of the situation. I'm very like, and, you know, when we were talking about it, says, you know, some people who would be in the donor's position would be like very much leave me anonymous. I don't want to have any, you know, relationship that's, and that's perfectly respectable. But what we came to when we were talking about it was sort of just like, no, let's be completely transparent about it from the very beginning because we're proud of what we're doing. And so like, I'm, I'll talk about it with anyone. I think it's, I think it's, you know, not just my parenthood pals, (laughs) but I think like, it's really cool that it all worked out and and she's just a, she's a crazy toddler, but she's (laughs) awesome. Oh, I love that so much. Yeah. That's beautiful. Oh, thank you. Well, Melissa, I know you also were approached about being an egg donor for someone close to you. How did you broach that subject? Well, and I'm just going to give a total spoiler about how it ended up because it did not end up working out. I mean, I did donate my eggs, but unfortunately that did not end up resulting in a baby. So it's like sad that our ending wasn't as happy, you know, but back in 2010, my cousin, who's one of my favorite people ever, although I really didn't know her all that well. So I think she was quite nervous. This experience really bonded us. Um, But she's 13 years older than I am. And she and her husband were trying to have a baby. And she called me and I think left a message and said she wanted to talk to me about something important. Cause I remember being like, 
what could this be? And I called her back and I was like, oh, I would never have guessed this. <laughs> and she she was, and, and at first I didn't know what she was asking. And I thought she was asking if I would be a surrogate. And I was like, whoa, I don't know if I can do that. But then I was like, oh, an egg. Sure. Like, I mean, I, <laughs> I did talk about it. When, I talked about it with my husband first and stuff. But yeah, I, uh, I, I agreed and flew out there twice, two different times. The first time was just to like meet with the fertility clinic and, and talk to everybody about how this was going to go. And then the second time was three weeks in the summer. I'm a teacher, so that worked out. And even though it didn't end up working out, it's like one of the best experiences of my life. Like I just stayed with these people I love so much. And yeah, it was something we were doing together. Like we would all do the mm. hormone shots together and she would drive me to get, you know, an ultrasound every other day. And we, yeah, I, I had to be interviewed by a, like, um, I think a psychologist uh, to make sure. Yeah, we had to do that too. Yeah? We, oh, man. It's required. Yeah, you, you have to get lawyers. I don't know if you had to get lawyers involved, but we did. Wow. You're required to. We didn't. We didn't want to. Everything was very boilerplate and like you know. But yeah, there, you you. We had to all do psychological screenings individually and together. It was you know. Yeah. It's good. It's it good, good that they. But it is you know, it, it, and we all passed with flying colors, and we'd been like, yeah, we've been talking this through. You know, <laughs> we've actually <laughs> we felt cocky going into those. But um, <laughs> that's but, so great. Yeah, it is interesting the hoops that you do need to go through when you're and and you haven't the baby doesn't even isn't even created yet, yeah. and then you you know, but it did bond you. It bonds you when you're so. I I mean that's really nice that you came out of it being closer to to these people. Yeah, you that, can't help it. You really can't. Like it was just. Mm-hmm. this deeper experience than you ever have w- when you visit people normally you know we were like literally <laughs> trying to create life all three of us and i there were certain aspects of it that i just found fascinating i was like if this works biologically you know like i just couldn't wrap my head around it and you know my husband and i have chosen not to have kids so i was like this is interesting i would like oh yeah not have a kid i mean that was the whole point of the psychologist the psychologist kept saying and whose kid would this be and i was like their kid you know like she was like she was like making sure yeah. i wasn't going to go rogue and be like it's my kid you know i i don't know but i mean i'm sure that that is a very totally. yeah and so it was no they're they're super tough interesting. on you in those psychological screenings and the questions that they ask you're kind of like you know even though you you know the answers to them there's something about it that's like like kanoa was telling us he was like they would you know the psychologist was saying to him like you know they own your kid they will own your kid. And even though Kanoa knew that going in, there's something that's intense about the <laughs> phrasing of that. Yeah. yeah. Totally. And it's like, but they're just making sure again, like that you're not going to go, you're not going to claim, do any, no funny business. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> Totally. Yeah. They, they kept, the woman kept saying to me, why are you doing this? Like what's in it for you? And I was just mm. like, why? Well, I, I love them. I would like to help them have a baby. And she kind of nodded like, okay. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I'd like, yeah. like, but so say you now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was just one of the I'm most, I'm going to get you. Yeah. You're going to say yeah. something wrong. No, but it was one of the most intense experiences of my life. And, and I know I was not as heartbroken as they were that it just didn't end up working. And they told us going in, they were like, this has like a 40% success rate. And we were like, Jesus. Okay. Wow. So yeah, it was, I wasn't as heartbroken, but I was heartbroken. You know, I I was so sad. I just wanted it for them so much. So, but yeah. 
that was, so that was that. Well, I don't it's amazing know. that you were willing to do that. I mean, just completely sacrificing your time and yourself to help somebody's dream come true. It's just amazing. Well, I mean, you. Kanoa's donation. I mean, he was very, <laughs> obviously the most generous thing, but it, I think more of a pleasure for him. <laughs> Kanoa always true. says when we say thank you, when we say, Hey, thank you for her, by the way, we text him that all the time. And he goes, it was literally my pleasure. <laughs> oh, that's so great. <laughs> that's so funny. I, rem- I remember I did have like, yeah, mine was like an egg retrieval, you know, and was, it was interesting. Yeah. I was just shooting Oof. myself up with all these hormones. So I had like a bunch of yeah. eggs. Yeah. And it really didn't hurt or anything. I was just like under for like an hour or two. I don't think it was very major at all, but then it was very kind. They like made me chocolate chip pancakes. That's what I wanted after. And then we just watched movies Cute. all day. And I did like that. <laughs> so Aww. anyway. Aww. <laughs> well, it's so the least they could do in exchange for your genetic material. <laughs> yes. That's right. <laughs> I don't ask much, you know, <laughs> chocolate and pancakes. Everyone, if you want to read more about this, this inspired a poem in Melissa's new poetry collection, That's Green, true. now available. <laughs> Caleb's the best. <laughs> That's a crass plug, except it really is a beautiful poem. Thank you. So, um, yeah, I, I recommend that you get it. You'll know which poem it is because it's called Donating My Eggs. So, <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I was thinking it was going to be called like chocolate chip pancakes and movies. <laughs> I like that. Now, when they made that you chocolate chip pa- pancakes, yeah, <laughs> did it feel transactional when they made you pancakes? <laughs> Only in the best way. No, it felt, it felt okay. nice. Yeah, it felt like care, you know? Yeah, Care, yes, yeah. for sure. Well, thank you both for for sharing those experiences. I think it's illustrative of how there is more than one way to create family and that what matters is, you know, you both were so intentional about it, which I think is just indicative of love is the foundation and then you go from there. And that maybe that is a big part of what's missing from Julia and Zoe. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's, there's really no love in their interactions yet. Yeah. And after this, <laughs> who knows what the odds are? Maybe never. Probably not great. Well, and I was going to say to you, Sam, that this is one of my very favorite things about this podcast is a bunch of guests I'm meeting for the first time because they know Caleb and not me. And I'm like, what a strange thing that like our very first conversation together, we're talking about like the most personal things, you know, that have happened to I us. I know. It's such an I know, interesting but it's, thing. It's, I'm, I wonder if you feel this way too, but like going through you know, what we went through. And I find that because we've thought about it so much, we dedicated so much time into thinking about it. And I'm sure you did too. Like the amount of conversations that it has opened up in my life is, is just astounding. Like it's an experience unlike any other try, even just try thinking about it, talking about it. It really is something I'm sure for you, it's, I mean, it, it, created a poem but it certainly like is something you did it will always be something you did in your life like something pretty major that you did in your life and I mean if you and your husband you know have decided not to have kids it's probably something you never thought you could really you would be able to speak on but you really can (laughs) totally true just out of curiosity how did you and your wife decide who would carry the baby and was it like a draw straws situation or was it very clear like one of us wants to do this one of us doesn't it was it was pretty close to a toss up we both like i'm not kidding less than a less than a month after we got married we went and 
both went to the clinic and had our levels tested just wow. to see if we were, we were really gung ho about starting a family. Wow. I mean, on our first date, I was like, do you want to have kids? Like not, <laughs> not you specifically, but I was like, do you want eventually to have kids? Because I wasn't like, once I was the the age where I was looking to like meet someone and settle down, I need, I needed to like clarify on the first date, pretty intense. <laughs> it's back, good to know like, what geez. you want. I love that. It's, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was that. And if somebody's into Disneyland, those were my non-negotiables. <laughs> I'm not a Disney freak, but I don't think I could have been with anyone who was like, I hate Disneyland. I, like, they, to me, that says just says a lot about someone's full character <laughs> if they hate it. Like they hate joy. They hate joy. It was, to me, it, it said, it, yeah, it, it, che- it checked off a lot of boxes. Yeah, so we both got tested and we we joke about it being like a competition because she was slightly more fertile. Slightly. We were both like, our our levels were both of us were good mo always says that she went first because she's taller but the fact <laughs> is she's slightly older so we were like okay if we're gonna have we at the time we're thinking of having two kids and she'd go first and i'd go second but at this moment we're kind of especially in quarantine we're like one is good for now <laughs> one is <laughs> one is pretty good but she will say sometimes she'll be like well I'm the one who you know you still haven't carried a kid yet so you have to go upstairs and get us dessert <laughs> <laughs> I think that's fair I don't know <laughs> I think it's oh my god it's totally fair <laughs> but um she's a little older so we were like yeah it makes more sense if you're gonna and she had more of a desire to feel what it felt like to carry a baby than I did. I'm, I wanted a baby, but I didn't have any desire to, to see what my body was like, you know, carrying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't have that. And she did. She was like, yeah, I, I'd be interested in putting my body to that test. Now I think she's like, never again. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but she can say that informed. Yeah. Informed. Yeah. She- <laughs> I feel jealous of women sometimes. I mean, being pregnant and giving birth sounds grueling, but I feel jealous that I, can't ever know what it feels like that it's mm. just an experience that will be off limits to me forever like oh well that kind of stinks but okay yeah whatever. i feel that way about growing a handlebar mustache <laughs> i don't think i would but i would i would want to know i would want the option yeah <laughs> I think it's really beautiful that in your relationship, each of you can, you know, take turns carrying that child. Like, that's so beautiful. And I wish that that's how every partnership could be like a true partnership like that, you know, and and that's I don't know. That's that's lovely. Yes. There is that thing, though, that like while while she was pregnant you know, I feel like guys can say, oh, I wish it were me doing it. I wish it were me doing it. And when I would say that, it was like, well, it could have been me. (laughs) (laughs) I just chose the easier route. It rang hollow. Yeah. (laughs) That's so great. Yeah, it is. It is. It is really cool. And there's something about that that does, even though right now we're, we're cool with one, there is part of us that goes, well, we have that really unique option. Maybe we should do it. (laughs) Yeah. And would it be with Kanoa again? For sure. He, <laughs> Kanoa is, I he's mean. Batting a he's batting 1,000 so far. He's <laughs> bat, so far, so good. He, uh, no, but besides being like the sweetest, loveliest guy, and of course you have to be, you have to have a really amazing heart to do what he did for us, but he's gorgeous. And <laughs> our daughter <laughs> is. <laughs> it's really, I knew Kayla would back me up on that. Um, yeah, he's, we, he's 
if you're gonna have somebody do it, it's sort of like not even fair that we got him. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And it's true, your daughter, at least judging from Instagram, is just precious. It's so beautiful. Thank you. I mean, I feel like I can say I agree because I didn't contribute genetically, so it doesn't feel like I'm being vain. Um, <laughs> it's just, <laughs> my, just my wife and my... It's just objective. My wife and my best friend are both very attractive and uh, our baby benefits. But yeah, I think we we would absolutely use Kano again, no question. Love that. And asking him would be less uh, heart pounding than (laughs) that one day that I was struck nervously eating my salmon at work and just being like, It's funny, I was going to ask if you remembered what you were eating. (laughs) Salmon. (laughs) I remember every second of it. Uh, I still walk by at, at work. I mean, I haven't been at the actual studio in a while, but I, anytime I walk by that table, I'm like, oh yeah. And there's this, the, the sperm conversation table and <laughs> give a tour. Someday there'll be a plaque there. <laughs> Absolutely. If I have anything to say about it, <laughs> salmon and sperm. <laughs> that needs to be a TV show right there. That's yeah. the title. <laughs> They're private investigators. I don't know. Um, right after Zeke's second family. Check out Sam and his bird. <laughs> you begged oh, for man. it. <laughs> we delivered. No pun intended. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very good. Well, let's end with the, the happiest storyline in this episode. Sarah and Mark's burgeoning relationship. Oh, I love them uh, so much. I loved that watching Mark's enthusiasm for teaching is what turned Sarah on. I And oh I also God. feel like I would totally relate. To me, like expertise or skill is such a turn on. So to watch someone be good at what they do, even if it's something I have no interest in, if I recognize, wow, you're great at this. It's like when yeah. when Crosby watched Gabby diffuse the situation at Max's birthday party. Yeah. That was another moment where it's like, yeah, that would turn me on too. Mm. Like, I can't do that. You're like a magician. <laughs> well, and it was funny. Everything he was saying was really cracking me up because, you know, he made a Dead Poet Society joke about I won't ask them to stand on their desks. And I was like, oh, that's so great. <laughs> and yeah, then he's quoting Emily Dickinson. The whole thing is beautiful. And I was very appreciative. I'm like, you know, it's real questionable how they portrayed Max's teacher in this episode. Uh, so I was glad that the public school teacher represented. <laughs> I'm like, he's a really good teacher. You can just tell from that speech. He's funny and, you know, talking about how he wants the kids to work hard, but have fun. I'm like, yep. Checks all the boxes. The scene also gave me major Lorelai coming to Max Medina's parents' yes. night vibes. <laughs> totally. Where she bumps into the globe and goes, what in the world? <laughs> the- <laughs> One of my favorite little Lorelai asides. Also, did we know that Sarah slept on a pullout sofa like Mary Tyler Moore? <laughs> I don't think we knew that. Like, I don't think I knew that. I guess I just assumed that there was a bed somewhere in that guest house. But no, she was sleeping on the couch. Couch turned bed. It's sort of a bed. Yeah. Anyway, so here is Mark telling Sarah that he's 100% ready to be in this relationship with her. Lorelai, this thing we're doing here, me, you, I just want you to know I'm in. I am all in. (laughs) Oh, golly. That's not even the right show. (laughs) Here's the real clip. I I know that the timing wasn't right two years ago, um, but... Seems like the timing is right now, uh, for me at least. And I just, I guess I wanted to let you know that 
this this side of the car is uh, is ready now, and I don't know about that side of the car. Um, to think about it or anything. I just wanted you to know that I'm in. I don't know. Oh, my God. I couldn't remember what her hesitation was about. And I was really nervous. I'm like, what is it? (laughs) Just say yes, Sarah. (laughs) Even watching the episode, I'm not 100% sure what her hesitation. Like, so talking to Amber seemed to help. Talking to her mom about her worries with the age difference seemed to help. But Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm not sure. To me, I wondered if it was really low self-esteem and wondering if she deserved this or something like the way she was sort of overwhelmed by him talking about like you could be my plus one for this wedding months from now I can get where that would seem too forward for someone you like maybe just met or someone you weren't that into but she is into him and they tried this two years ago and and so it already kind of feels like well if it's gonna happen it's gonna be I think more serious because they waited all this time to be together. So and maybe it's just my obvious bias towards Mark's here <laughs> that I'm like, yeah, that's not coming on too strong. That's just like, this is what I want. I'm, I am I know what I want. I, I just, I was confused as to what her hesitation was. He didn't ask her if she wanted to have kids on the first date, like <laughs> some people. Yeah, like some smart people. <laughs> maybe we didn't see the scene where he asked about Disneyland. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was as I was w- watching it, I was like, wait a second, are her kids still in school? What I was a little bit confused as to why she didn't immediately go for it, but I figured it was just because I hadn't watched the first two seasons in a while. Well, and Drew still is technically, so he could be. Yeah, Mark's I did write son. down like, could Mark conceivably end up being Drew's teacher? Although oh. I think it's probably less likely that Drew is going to have a crush on him like Amber did. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Although, right. jury's still out. Yeah. <laughs> jury's still, still out. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, these scenes were between those two were so good in this episode because you felt like from like a writer's point of view, you felt like those were the scenes where when they were writing the script, they were probably like, oh, okay, thank God. It's a Mark Sarah scene. We can let it breathe. We can make a joke about him being friends with Emily Dickinson. We can <laughs> we can relax a little bit because the other scenes had too much, had so much to accomplish in them that I yeah. felt like they couldn't really breathe. But these scenes were great. Yeah. I loved, God, the chemistry is insane. Chemistry. Yeah, chemistry. They just seem like they should be together. Mm -hmm. I did love, Melissa, you mentioned both of these scenes already, but I'm going to play them anyway. The first one is with Sarah and Camille. I like him. That's nice. That he's 28. Yeah, 28 is kind of young. He was two years old when The Breakfast Club came out. Wow, was that long ago? Yeah, yeah. And we're in the car the other night, and I know music. I'm not, you know... But he's playing this stuff called Naked Kids. I, I've never even heard of them. You never heard of Naked Kids? You have? Look, these are not legitimate concerns. <sighs> M- movies and music groups. What's the real deal? I mean, I should be with someone my own age, don't you think? Maybe. Not necessarily. You know, if you were with someone who was 40, he could be uh, twice divorced and have five kids, you know? I mean, there, there could always be an issue if you wanted to make an issue. 
relax, have a good time. You know, enjoy yourself, you know? Who can do that? What's stopping you? What's stopping you? Camille swooping in with the good advice, like she usually does. I feel like Camille is like a couple white wines in when that conversation <laughs> starts. Isn't there something about it that's very like an undertone of her mom just saying, go have some good sex with a 28 year old. <laughs> it felt like that. Enjoy it. it. Like there was a like breezy boozy energy to her. <laughs> there totally was. You're right. Yeah. I didn't even think of that. I love that. Although I feel like Camille usually has that boozy energy. <laughs> oh yeah. Like just the way she talks is always a little bit. <laughs> Absolutely. She's, she she's lacks. a Berkeley mom. Yes. There's always yeah. like one white wine running, <laughs> running through her. But I wondered, like, did Sarah really think she should be with someone her own age? Or, like, I mean, I don't know. Like, how how big of an issue is this age difference thing? I mean, like, they're both adults and they're both attractive and attracted to each other. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I guess I, I, yeah. I'm like, it's not like he's a child or something. And it's not like there's that power dynamic of like, you're his boss, no. like your last and relationship. Ca- yeah. 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 Right. And the casting doesn't make it seem like a stark age difference at all. No. They seem like peers. Yeah. So they seem like intellectual equals. Yeah. They're making each yeah. other laugh. He's super smart. He's not like a dumb 28 year old. You know what I mean? Like, no. he's, yeah. Sorry. The only thing I actually like took note of was that they are perhaps in different stages of their lives. I mean, Sarah mm-hmm. has two children almost grown. Yeah. So I do think if they were going to have something super serious, they would need to have some conversations like a first date. Do you want to have kids? I actually think that would mm-hmm. make a lot of sense in their case because it would be totally natural for Mark to definitely want to have kids. And I think it would be totally natural for Sarah not to want to have them. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Or not to have any more. And so, but as long as they have four months of planning or whatever, <laughs> and bring up all those questions. Yeah, I don't, I don't see a problem with 12 years. No. I interpreted this last scene with Amber as the big thing that was stopping her, but maybe I was wrong. I have something I want to tell you. Okay? I love you. That's the most important thing. I... Don't want your feelings to be hurt, no matter what. It's, everything's gonna be okay. What's this? Wait, are you sick? Are you dying? No. That's your reaction. You well, wouldn't be more upset. Or... You have to give me time. I mean, it's, <laughs> I need to process. No, shock. no, it's nothing like that. I um. What? I'm I'm starting to uh fall in love with somebody. And um, I just feel sensitive about it because it's Mr. Sear. It's Mark. I didn't want you to have hurt feelings about it. Mom, don't. God, don't worry about it. It's, it's more than okay. It's amazing. It doesn't seem weird. It's a diff- you know, so different. <laughs> God, Mom, for God's sakes. You're amazing and wonderful and beautiful and great and, like, hotter Mom. than, you know, anyone my age that I know, so... He's lucky to be with you, for sure. Listen to me. You guys have first dibs, though, you know? I mean, you and your brother, you're always number one. Unless I have a date, because then I gotta put you number two. To chow. I think that's fair. <laughs> I loved that. Perfect. They're just, I mean, speaking of chemistry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Listening to it again and then hearing what you had said, Melissa, like about whether she was deserving of this, 
maybe the two are more related. Like I, cause I viewed it as she didn't want to put something ahead of her children, mm-hmm. especially thinking back to like, you know, the end of the second season, Amber almost died in that yeah. car accident. And Sarah probably had guilt about like, I was busy with my play and she was unraveling. But I guess that's maybe just a version of like, do I deserve to have something good in my life besides my children? Yeah. Do I get to have happiness with my kids and happiness in a relationship? So maybe they're more intertwined than I thought. And I also, I just want to say, Amber's right. Lauren Graham is hotter than most people <laughs> Amber's age. And I actually, I value Lauren Graham's humor and talent so much. I honestly do forget sometimes how beautiful she is. She's so beautiful. She's striking. Because yeah. I really feel like, certainly by this point in her career, it's so not what she ever led with. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. And, and yeah. it makes me also realize how both the industry and then just our culture at large still does value, especially women, primarily on how they look. And I thought, oh, it takes someone like Lauren Graham for me to even clear that hurdle of like, okay, be on two series where you prove how dynamic and smart and funny and whole you are, and then I'll stop seeing your beauty first. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, and play characters where you're not afraid to be really messy and not stereotypically sort of girly. Like she's very... there's like a toughness to her that's just inherent that does, they, she has a lot of things that she does that make you forget that she's strikingly beautiful. Yeah. That she has yeah. some of the prettiest eyes in Hollywood. Oh like, my oh my God. Totally. Uh, the same goes for me for Jason Ritter as well. Although he, I mean, he is objectively, I think quite cute, but like, I don't think he's gorgeous. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think he's more cute, if that makes sense. But I think what yeah. what's so striking about the two of them really isn't just what a beautiful pair. Like the way you would look at Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt and be like, wow, that's a whole lot of attractive that just like crashed together. With with these two, it really is more the way they like interact with each other that I think is so striking. Definitely. It's the way they are constantly laughing through their scenes together. And it feels very real. And I love that. I mean, of course he's into her. She, you know, it, like who cares? She's 12 years older. She's just like probably the most beautiful woman he's ever seen. And he like, she makes him laugh and she's a great writer and we yeah. do learn that she's taking a writing class which is the first echo of her abandoned playwright career <laughs> that we've had thus far this season yeah that is nice that's... i think that's believable though that, oh yeah like, she had a reading of this play maybe nothing happened with it and now months later she has formalized her study yeah of that craft <laughs> rather than just like yeah. Being mentored by her dad's war buddy. Yeah, now she's off to go make yeah. chums. Yeah. <laughs> oh, full circle. Nice callback. <laughs> nice callback. <laughs> Thank you. Well, all in all, I feel like the title of this episode only really applied to Julia's storyline. <laughs> <laughs> but I did, if I was grasping for a theme, this is super general, but it seemed like navigating new or uncertain situations mm. applied to every storyline, mm. certainly with Sarah and Mark. Max being mainstreamed, Adam and Crosby embarking on this business, Hattie with Alex, Mm -hmm. and then definitely Julia and Zoe. But also that that seemed apt for the beginning of a season. It's like, oh, they're still, they've set up all these storylines. Some are probably just this episode. Some are maybe a few episodes and some are maybe going to be whole season long. Yes, it felt like a tee up. 
It felt yeah. like a tee up for the rest of the season. It felt very much like trying to lay the pipe for what's going to happen in the season. Even though I was surprised at how many storylines kind of resolved in, in the episode, I thought to myself, oh, okay, well, she's going to have to grapple with whether or not she's going to be with Mark. Never mind. She's going to be with him. Okay. And she's going to gear up to maybe forge a relationship with this woman to see if maybe she'll give her her baby. She's asking for the baby. Okay. No. All right. No, Maybe <laughs> Adam will have a new job. Uh, okay. I really did. We don't need yeah. it. Two is enough. <laughs> yeah, it, it it definitely did feel that way. Like, uh, it felt very episode two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so episode two. And I will say, I very much prefer this episode two to last season's episode two. I don't even remember... Oh, no good deed. Yeah, you know what? Never mind. There was some good stuff going on there as well. I guess I'm just thinking... I'm more interested, I think, in these storylines than I was in last season's storylines. Like, like definitely off the bat. Yeah, yeah, Sarah was gonna start working at the shoe place with Adam. I was like, no, we don't want more people at the dumb shoe place. We want fewer yeah. people <laughs> at the shoe place. Like, this is going in the wrong direction. And so that's the main one I'm thinking of is that I'm just a lot more interested in Adam's storyline. Yeah. Although there was no Jasmine in this episode. Oh, you're right. Which is a shame and. It would be a challenge, I think, when you break up these two characters and one of them is part of the nuclear family and one of them isn't. Yeah. How do you keep her involved? Well, they need to. So love Jasmine. Yeah. Well. I think that'll do it for this episode of Parenthood Pals. Sam, thank you so much. You were such a delight, as you always are. <laughs> Aw. I didn't become delightful until I met you, Caleb. Oh. You unlocked it in me. Wow. I was a serious soul. I was... <laughs> Lost. And then I met you and you just unlocked it for me. Well then, world, you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> what in the world? I need to go watch that episode of Gilmore it's Girls so again. Good. Oh my gosh. That's she just bumps so into perfect. it and then she knocks the globe. What in the world? It's so good. Wonderful. <laughs> well, um, everyone, please check us out on parenthoodpals.com. I switched it up on you, Caleb. You have to say the other thing now. Oh, and you can also Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Like us on Facebook. Sam, do you want to put your like social meds out in the world? You know, I don't need to do that. Let's just keep it. it let's uh, keep all the hype on you guys. Oh. Okay. Just keep listening to Parenthood Pals. It made me want to watch. Honestly, it made me, this whole thing made me want to rewatch the whole series. Oh, it's, yeah. I forgot how there's so much good in it. Even in an episode that's kind of pipey, there's a lot of, of good in this show. Yeah. And you guys do a very good job of getting into the nitty gritty. Thank you. Thank you. It's been so fun and meaningful. I've really been loving doing this. So thank Aww. you for being on it. It's one of the best parts really has been meeting all kinds of people I wouldn't have otherwise met. So it's really oh, lovely. Cool. <laughs> well, well uh, listeners, thank, oh, go ahead. Oh no. Oh my gosh. No. What if I just closed it out? What if I just took the reins and I was like, well, listeners, uh, it's as always, you know, Melissa and I have so much fun doing this. Caleb, thank you so much for joining us. Um, and, uh, check us out on all the platforms. And as we always say, go watch parenthood. Bye. <laughs> Until next time, may God bless and keep you always. And may your wishes all come true. <laughs>